Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. I want to continue in this vein of, of teaching. The last few weeks, it's really been foundational. Some things that maybe some of us already know, so it's a good reminder. Maybe for some of us, it's a brand new idea. We've got a lot of newer faces here, especially in the last year, and so I don't want to just assume that we're all on the same page with things. And so, you know, maybe there's some things you'll hear like, wow, I never saw scripture that way. I, I never saw my heavenly father like that. I never saw this relationship with Jesus like this. I never really understood that this is what it looks like for the Holy Spirit to do his outworking through me. Because how many know that we're in union with Christ? That's what Paul tells us. It's a union that can't be pulled apart. And so it's pretty powerful. Uh, yesterday, we, um, before we go to Expo, we have this tradition, Pete and I, where we go to breakfast together. Say breakfast together. The most important meal of the day. Especially when you eat it three times a day. Isn't breakfast awesome? Like I could have pancakes and eggs for dinner. And it's not wrong. Thank God we're not under legalism. It's called Linner. There's brunch and there's liner. But we were there yesterday and, and we're sitting there and I, I just, I realize it's Saturday morning, we're getting ready to go to Expo and I'm sitting there and I look across the table and I'm like, it's been a busy week. I don't even know what I'm going to talk about tomorrow. It's like, I don't even know what I'm going to say to the people tomorrow. So let's all go to Expo. No. So I don't even know what I'm going to say tomorrow. And I, I really honestly didn't know. I mean, there's always something moving in my heart. You know, I'm always filling myself up with things. And, but there's some things I just don't feel the release to say yet or I'm still learning because we're all on a journey. Amen. But I'm sitting there and, and Jess, she's so encouraging. I actually think there's a little sarcasm in it. But she looks across the table. She goes, I don't know, something about grace. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Probably. But you know, really, I endeavor to, to bring with every message this foundation of grace and love, because I really think that love is our fuel for life. I believe that grace is what we need. It's, it's sufficient, and it's there to empower us, to teach us. But what I really see in the last, especially year and a half to two years, is I would say probably about eight years ago or so, I really, I just got a deeper revelation of God's grace. And it really pulled me out of some legalism and some law-based living, some things that I lived with good intention, but I, I didn't realize at the time that I was really in performance mode. I was trying to perform for God to somehow measure up and be worthy and receive his blessing. And it was like the Holy Spirit was saying, no, that's already a done deal because you're his son. I'm like, what? You know, but we've gone through this journey. And so you know, I probably, on that journey, a lot of times as a pastor or, or, or a teacher or a leader, you, you just speak from what you're going through. Does that make sense? And so I believe the last year and a half to two years, we've really shifted. Because you know, how many know this, that we're on a life journey? And through that journey, we should be learning. We should be growing. If you believe exactly the same every jot and tittle that you did five years ago today, there's a problem. It's called stagnation. It's called not growing, and it's not healthy. You know, if, if my child stopped growing at five, we would go to the doctor because there's an issue. There's a problem. And so it's all about this journey in life. And so I believe that, you know, there's some things, great things you pick up along the way, and then sometimes you pick things up. You know, we call it you eat the grapes and you spit out the seeds, right? 
And so there's certain things that you're like, oh, I, I, for a time that helped me where I was, but I need to spit that out because it doesn't really line up with where God's taking me now. And that's the beauty of the journey. The spiritual journey is that God never leaves us, but as he's there, he's in that process growing us and he'll even let us believe something that's not true just to stay in relationship with us. That's how much he loves us. We can even believe things that are contrary to his character and nature, but we really believe it at the time. And he'll say, that's okay, you can believe wrong things about me, but stick in the journey and we'll change your mind. Right? right? Metanoia, Amen. repentance, will change your mind in that area. And so we've been on this journey and, and grace was huge because it brought a lot of us out of legalism, a lot of us out of performance mode, self-effort mode. But what happens sometimes is in that grace, what God does, I believe it's like a doorway into this thing called the kingdom of God. And Jesus preached about the kingdom of God. That's what he came to proclaim. And what I'm seeing in the last couple of years is we really shifted and we've started to walk down this road called the kingdom of God, what that looks like, right relationship, peace, joy, love, grace, his goodness. And it's not just a journey that I've been on. We've been on this journey together. And what I'm seeing is that it's affecting those around me in a positive way. But see, it, it had to be a doorway of grace coming out of some legalism in order to see the kingdom correctly. Does that make sense? Because I've heard some kingdom preaching. There were some kingdom preachers back in the 80s, but there was still some mixture in it. So it came from this idea of legalism and law. And whenever you mix stuff in, guess what? It ruins the whole batch. Amen. And so in Galatians, Paul is speaking here, and he's speaking to the church in Galatia, and it's a pretty fiery letter. He's pretty wound up. You know, people have heard his message of the gospel of grace, the gospel of Christ, and they've turned their ways. They've seen that it's not a God who expects sacrifice. It's not the God just of the Jews. It's of everyone. And then all of a sudden we had the first missionary journeys of the Judaizers to come and say, well, if you add a little bit of Moses to Jesus, you get a really good batch of bread. And Paul was like, are you kidding me? So he's pretty fiery. And he says here in Galatians 5, verse 1, he says, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. I didn't even know we were singing that song this morning. There is freedom, man, right? Freedom to sin? No, freedom from sin. Freedom to do whatever we want? No, freedom to do kingdom business. It's awesome. And now we have freedom to do this. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Your father doesn't want slaves. See, the law was a yoke of slavery. Religion was a yoke of slavery. Now, the law had its time, but Jesus came and he started changing stuff around. He started to say, listen, you don't live according to laws that are etched into stone. I'm actually going to etch the law of love into your heart. And now you can live out of this law of love. And so when we walk according to love, guess what? That's how we walk in the kingdom. And then the apostle John says this in his gospel. He says, and of his fullness, we have all, say all, received. We received his fullness. And look at this, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through who? Jesus Christ. So, you know, we were on this journey over the last several years, and I think in the last couple of years, we're finding more, we're finding out more about what it looks like to be a kingdom-minded person to operate in this kingdom mindset that Jesus brought. 
So I want to talk about this idea that every road has its ditches. Say that with me. Every road has its ditches. I think it's important to see that. You know, there's roads, even just normal natural roads that we're on, and, and, and there's ditches on either side. And how many know that if you get into a ditch, it's usually not a good thing? Usually you're calling AAA or a tow truck to get out of the ditch. And I think what, what needs to happen in the body of Christ is that the Holy Spirit record company needs to come in and pull us out of some ditches. Right? The Holy Spirit is in the business of pulling us out of ditches. And there's, let me say, there's ditches on both sides. I want to talk about that today, the ditch on either side of this road of the kingdom. So when I was about 19, I, oh man, this feels like forever ago, babe. 19. Anyway, when I was about 19 years old, I got hired into a place called Meyer. You ever been to Meyer? Some people call it Myers. Apparently it's plural to them. <laughs> That's an inside joke. People go, uh, uh, yeah, was that Myers? I'm like, oh, is that a new place? Where's it at? Anyway. So I worked at this place called Meyer, and before that, I had worked in a place that was called 23 Supermarkets. So I was familiar with, you know, stock and, and cleaning floors and doing different things. And so when I got hired into Meyer, I got hired into the third shift grocery department. So it was third shift, which was a whole different world. My mother-in-law could tell you all about that, but that was something I could just never really get used to. But when I left my previous job, I think I was making like four twenty-five an hour, Right? Wasn't minimum wage like four twenty-five when I was nineteen? You're like, I don't know. <laughs> You're old. No, four twenty-five an hour. What's minimum wage now? Now what? Nine twenty-five? Well, listen to this. When I went in the mire, I went from four twenty-five an hour to like it was like nine forty-eight, nine seventy-eight, something like that. It was double the income. Now, for me, it was huge. I was like, oh my gosh. In fact, at nineteen years old, I moved out of my mom and dad's house. I'm like, yeah, I'm a man now. I'm making 9.48 an hour. Come on. But you know, when I went to work every week, I, I would I would give labor, and then they would give me a check at the end of the week. You know, there was never one time that I called Fred Meyer, or or I talked to my manager and said, I just want to thank you. You are so gracious for paying me. Now I was very thankful for the job, but never one time did I think. I'm going to thank them for the check because we had this deal. I give you labor, you give me wages. How, how many work? When you get your check at the end of the week, you're thankful for your job, but do you go, man, thank you so much. I didn't even deserve this. No, you go, no, I deserve this plus some more. I want a merit raise, right? But when I would get my check and they would pay me, I was thankful for the job, but I didn't feel like, this sense of like, well, you know, you didn't know me, but you paid me. No, it was a sense of you owed me. Where's my money? And so I wanted my check. Why? Because I earned it. See, when you, when you earn or you work for something, you want that reward. You want that wage. Can I get an amen? amen? But see, in the kingdom of God, things work so much differently. God's gifts are free. Say free. free. God's gifts are are free. I mean, hence the word gift. How many of the gifts aren't earned? Right? It, if you work for something, if you're working to earn something, it could be called a reward or a wage, but certainly not a gift. Gifts are freely given. They're free and they're freely given. So I would do my 40 hours a week and never one time was I like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I can't believe you're giving me a check. No, I'm like, where's my check? It should be direct deposit on this date. 
right? I expected it to be there because I put in the time, I put in the work. But think about the gifts of God that are completely free. I mean, his grace, his forgiveness, his love, all his gifts are unearned. They're not owed to me, but he gives them to me freely. See, they're free. Why? Because he loves me. Now listen, I know this seems really basic and some of us heard this, but how many can use a reminder here and there? There might be some sitting here. Don't have to raise your hand. You don't say, amen, that's me, who've never heard things like this before. But listen, God's forgiveness, his grace, his mercy, his love, his goodness, it's free of charge. You can't do anything to earn it. In fact, you can't do anything to lose it. Come on, that's good news. Let's go to the expo. No, I'm just kidding. But that is good news, isn't it? And so we're not earning a gift because if it's a gift, it's given freely. And we here at Faith City, we're thankful for the grace of God. We're excited about it. We relish it. We don't downplay it. If it's a word, we upplay it. I don't know if that's a word, but we're going to upplay stuff here. The grace of God is love, his goodness, because I see that it transforms people's lives. People come out of addiction because of his grace and love, not because they try harder. It's just, it amazes me in my own life, the things that I've come out of. And that's why, you know, this, this relationship with God should be experiential. We should experience his love and his grace. And I've experienced so much change in my life and transformation. Now, listen, I got a ways to go because life's a journey. I got several years ahead of me and I'll keep relishing his grace and his love and his goodness because it keeps transforming me and I become a better version of myself. I mean, his love, think about this. It's unconditional. It's unending. And it's everlasting. It's not going anywhere. His love will die for the undeserving. It will favor those who don't deserve it. It will qualify the unqualified. It will even vindicate the repeat offender. Wow. Say it backwards. (laughs) Say it upside down. Mom, I got you to do it. I'll save that for Mother's Day. We'll do that Mother's Day. Don't tell anybody. But that's what his love does for us. So God is our source for everything. Salvation, love, grace, righteousness, all things for life and godly living. If you're looking to live godly, then trust him as your source for everything. That's all we're saying here. Trust him as your source. I'm not your Holy Spirit. Your wife isn't your Holy Spirit. Your parents aren't even your Holy Spirit. Your husband's not your Holy Spirit. Come on. The Holy Spirit is your Holy Spirit. And he's the spirit of grace, we're told. And grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It shows us the path of righteousness. And I'm telling you, if we're not careful, okay, we'll fall into the ditch. But when we come out of the ditch back to this road called the kingdom of God, we'll start to see ourselves operate and flow out of what he's already made us to be. So he's our source for everything. And what's beautiful is it's a direct connection. There's no middleman. So here's the question. How do we respond to this good news of God's grace? How do we respond to this everlasting love from the Father? How do we respond to his faithfulness even when we're faithless? Because when you hear these things, it's it's good news. It's almost too good to be true news. But that's how good it really is. There's two ways that we can respond to all this goodness. Number one, with thankfulness and awe. That's where I am in my walk, in my journey. 
mean, there's not a day that goes by that I'm just not like, Father, you're amazing. You're so good to me. I have days where, I mean, it's like it can be hectic as a parent, as a pastor, being bivocational, doing what I got to do. And there's days where I just feel like, I just don't feel like I can go on. It's just been a really tough day. It's been a tough week. And then I remember his love for me. I remember his grace toward me. And all of a sudden, it changes my way of thinking. It changes my mode of living. And I start to see myself and others differently. It's just, it's transformational. That's all I can say. It's, it's like a miracle transpires sometimes in my heart. And I say, okay, God is good. Life is good. This is good. So the first way we respond is with thankfulness and awe. But the second way we respond, and some do, is with suspicion and accusation. Oh, I can't be that good. I don't know what church you're going to, but I heard about those people, right? And so there's a suspicion to how good the news really is. There's an accusation to, well, then they just must be off sinning a lot. Well, why do we immediately go to that? I said it before, but we hear the word freedom. We go, oh, freedom to sin? No, freedom from sin. Big difference. And so we have these two ditches. We have one side of law and legalism, right? Kingdom is down the center. We have this other side of, let me say this, grace, but almost a counterfeit grace in that there's law Pharisees and there's grace Pharisees. I want you to follow this. Because there was a point in my life where I was there. Meaning, I'm in this ditch. I'm not just, you know, by grace through faith, walking this road of the kingdom. I'm actually over here, and I'm pointing my finger across at the other ditch saying, if you only were where I was right now, oh, you don't even know how much better we have it. Now, I get it. When you discover grace, it's like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. But if we're not careful, we can actually fall into a ditch and become a grace Pharisee. There's no difference between grace and law Pharisee, just two different ways of thinking. But we point our fingers, we look down our nose at people. Man, they're not as good as us if they would be. And we got the other side going, well, you need more legalism in your life and you need rules and parameters. And we're going, I don't need any rules. I don't got to do nothing ever. Well, wait a minute. I think you fell in the ditch. Do you follow me? And so we have two ditches on either side. If we just go back to Galatians chapter 5, we just bump down like five verses to verse 6. The Apostle Paul says this, For in Christ Jesus, listen to this, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. Now is that a powerful statement? One side of the ditch in legalism was saying, You need to be circumcised. It's a must. You've got the kingdom here. Then you fall into this ditch over here that says, no, it's all about not being circumcised. That's the whole point. And Paul's saying, "Uh, neither ditch matters. What matters is kingdom. And so no matter what ditch you're in, it's a wrong attitude. It's a wrong perspective. You have legalism, and then you got this this. I won't even call it grace. I will call it people who don't understand what grace is because grace should be gracious. Because there comes a point, and listen, I was there. 
I was, I was at that place where, and, and, and get this, I was talking to Pete about this this morning, that whenever you have a mind shift, I usually picture it as a pendulum. And pendulums, when they swing, they don't stop. They usually go all the way to the other side. You follow me? And so for me, the shift happened where it came all the way over to the other side. And I was at this place where I was like, well, what's real? What's right anymore? And almost... To a certain point, I, was, I had some anger, some frustration because I was trying so hard for so long to live a certain life that I knew I couldn't do it and I was trying to fake it till I made it. And then when I realized that God wasn't about legalism, he wasn't about law, he was about grace, he was about life and godliness through him, I swung all the way to the other side. And even in that process... As pastors, it's hard, but usually you're, you're speaking from where you are in life. And so in those times, there was a lot that transpired when my father shifted the ministry over and you know, put me over the ministry, and I was learning some things in those times. And so I would say things, some of you were there, I would say things that actually became offensive to some people because of the way I said it. Because they hadn't shifted to where I had shifted yet. But yet I went so far over that I said things almost in a condescending way. I actually had one gentleman who sat down with me, praise God. When people are, are deciding to leave the church, I love it when they actually talk to me. I saw a post the other day from a guy. He's like, it's crazy. He goes, in 20 years of ministry, I've been ghosted by literally 100 people. People, I baptized their children. I counseled them through heartache and pain and divorce. I was there for sickness, and suddenly they just disappeared. They're gone. That's so hard as a pastor. If you ever have any issues, please, my door is open. I'd love to talk. And we can agree. At the end, we can agree to disagree. That's fine. But the one thing that I appreciated about this brother is he sat down with me. He says, listen, we're going to go. And there's some reasons why. And one thing he said to me, he said, can I just suggest one thing to you? I said, sure. He said, it's great that you're speaking about the grace of God. But when you say it, you say it in such a way that it sounds like you're talking down to me because I believe in a different way or I have different theology. And I was like, wow. And so that, that meant a lot to me because I realized something that if I'm preaching grace, see a lot, there's a lot of churches out there that put grace in their name and they even preach grace from the pulpit, but there's no grace in their culture. Meaning if you don't agree with us, they're just as bad as some legalistic churches. We don't want to be your friend. We don't want to associate with you. You're wrong. We're right. If you only were at our level, you would, I'll tell you, you would know what it is to know God. Hallelujah. And these are grace people. And I thank God that the Holy Spirit has shifted me. He's, he's brought that Holy Ghost wrecker, that tow truck, and he's brought me out of the ditch to a place where now I'm seeing grace was just a doorway for me to get out of some performance and legalism and actually see some radical changes and healing in my life, but to shift me to the road of the kingdom where now, honestly, I can sit down with anyone. I don't care their theology. Do you follow Jesus? Yeah, cool. If you follow him through legalism, guess what? That's where you are. Doesn't make me better than you. I might preach a little more grace, you a little more legalism, but I love you, brother. I love you, sister. I love your heart and your good intentions for people. Big difference. Are you following me this morning? Because I really want us to shift to this point where we're not pointing fingers at people because they don't believe the way we do. Who flipping cares? 
right? If you're gracious and loving, you know, if you, if you preach those things, then live it. Be gracious and loving. Wow, Andy, what's going on? I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying this is my experience. Have you been there on the journey? So the pendulum swung all the way over, and now I believe that as a body, it's shifting more into the middle where we don't put less emphasis on grace and love, but now we actually are living a culture of grace and love. Does that make sense? So I can sit down with a legalistic person. I can sit down with an atheist. I mean, sometimes he doesn't believe in God. Well, he's not going to explode in front of you. You know what I found out a lot of times? Atheists, when I ask them, okay, you don't believe in God. Well, explain the God that you don't believe in. And they start to say, well, a God who is angry and retributive and he's trying to get people back. And, he's, and I went, wait, 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 wait. I'm an atheist to that God too. That's awesome. And they're like, what? You're a pastor, right? I mean, the thing is, I don't believe in that God either. That's a man-made God. If you really look at scripture and what Jesus came to show us and introduce us to, you're like, that's not God. So a lot of times people are not believing in a God that I don't even believe in or believe exists. And so it gives you this connection. See, sometimes we just got to sit down with people. But they're an atheist, okay? But they're gay, okay? But they drink a lot, okay? They love pornography, okay? Sit down with them. I mean, there's a reason that they are where they are. Don't try to change people. Just allow the Holy Spirit, his love and grace to move through people and let him do what he's going to do in people. Does that make sense? We, we get so freaked out, like, I got to get people saved. Well, guess what? You don't get people saved. You, you bring the message. And it should be coated in lots of love and grace and goodness. Not, you're a dirty, rotten, filthy heathen. So if you died today, where would you go? That, that message, it just doesn't work. I, n- not once in Acts, almost 18 gospel messages, do I see that message anywhere. Right. It's not about afterlife. It's not turn or burn. It's, this is the good news. Christ died for you. He reconciled the world to himself. He loves you. And I didn't even see one altar call or sinner's prayer. It said they believed. I don't know if it was John Wesley. I'm thinking one of the preachers, because the altar call is really, it's a, it's a newer thing. It's only a couple hundred years old. But he would come through these towns and he would preach to masses of people and people would say to him, how do you know that someone's believed on Christ? He says, well, when I come back, they're doing kingdom business. They're loving people. They're loving God. They, their life has changed up. They're treating their wife right. They're training their kids right. That's how we know people believe. Because some people have come to altars and they prayed prayers. And guess what? Ten years later, there's no difference in their life other than they prayed a prayer. Right. And I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just saying most of the time for me it was I was struggling because I was always trying to measure up. But then I realized I don't have to measure up. I'm already accepted. I'm already pleasing because I'm a son. It changed everything. And so now I began to walk this life feeling with my, I guess my head was a little bit higher. My shoulders were a little bit, you know, back a little more. And I thought, I'm his son. And then as I awakened to the identity, I start to be who I truly am. Does that make sense? But he says, for in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision mean anything. What means everything is this, faith working through love. This is what Paul says. Now in the mirror translation, it says this, God believes that we are fully represented in Christ 
which takes circumcision or any contribution of the flesh out of the equation. Now, do you follow me here? I'm, I'm talking about two ditches. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to take those ditches right out of the equation. Okay? No law Pharisees, no grace Pharisees. It's about kingdom. It's kingdom living. And he says this, love fuels faith. See, love is, is your fuel for life. He says it's easy for love to believe. We could sum it up like this. What you do or don't do count for nothing. Because I'm telling you, one side says you must do, do, do in order to get. All the way on the other side of the ditch, it says, I don't, 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 gots to do nothing. Now, here's the thing. And I've heard this both from, I believe, Pastor Jake Stringer and Bishop Jamie Engelhart, and this is powerful. They said sometimes when someone discovers the grace of God, sometimes they go a little bit off the rails. And this really helped me out because you have to allow people freedom, freedom for the Holy Spirit to work in their lives, right? But, but they, they made this statement, and it was really powerful to me. They said that what grace does is that it actually reveals the true motives of someone's heart. See, if someone was at church every single Sunday morning, then they discover the grace of God that we don't have to go to church and then they stopped going to church, they never wanted to go to church in the first place. It was something they felt they just had to do to be okay with God or okay with men. Does it make sense? Someone faithfully tithes and gives every week because if I don't tithe, he, he can't rebuke the devourer from myself. Which, by the way, that's old covenant thinking and ideas. And tithe, by the way, is not 10%. It's around 33% if you want to get technical. And if we did a whole thing on tithe, you'd be like, what were we? We take one verse, has nothing to do with new covenant. But people would give money because if I don't give, what's going to happen? And you have people like, they get a flat tire like, oh my gosh, I didn't get my tithe last week. I'm being serious, Right? I didn't get my tithe last week, so I'm out here changing this tire because I didn't give. But then they discover grace and they hear that giving is based on what you purpose in your heart and the Holy Spirit motivates and moves you to do. So they go, well, cool, I ain't giving anymore. It was never in their heart to give in the first place. It was fear, it was legalism causing them to. And we have to be okay with people discovering that. Because here's the thing I realized. True grace teaching us is going to bring you to a place where I believe you will give more than you ever gave before because you get the heart of the Father. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. True people of grace in a grace culture, they give more time, talent, and treasure than they ever have. But it's a journey, it's a process, it takes time. Right? So if you're still giving, keep giving, that's fine. I mean, Chris and I, we never stopped giving him any of those things. I mean, now there were weeks where I actually like, it's not often we're like, wow, let's, let's pay that bill and then next week we'll catch up or we won't, we'll just give. I mean, like, it was the weirdest thing. Like, we didn't give any offering. Oh my gosh. That's very rare. We, we give, everybody gives to what they believe in. Do you see how grace sometimes just, it shows you the true motive of someone's heart? And it's not a bad thing. There's no condemnation. What that shows you is, wow, I don't have to fake it anymore. Now I want to allow grace to teach me this new way of giving of my time, talent, and treasure. Because I believe the Holy Spirit's always speaking to us. Are you following me here? Do you I love you. You love me? Good. We love each other. That's good. 
What you do or don't do counts for nothing. Only love counts for everything. So whether you're in the law camp or the grace camp, this is the big question. Is our ego, is our flesh the source of the confidence of our position in Christ? Is that the confidence of our love before God? Because listen, this stitch over here is saying, I perform, I perform hard, I perform well. And so guess what? God loves me. I'm good to go. The other side, this ditch is like, hey, guess what? I don't have to do any of that because I'm already loved. But can you see the attitude on both sides is wrong? And so let's get back onto the road of the kingdom. We can say like this, I glory in what I do or I glory in what I don't do. Those are the extremes. You know, Paul exhorts us like this in 1 Corinthians 10, starting with verse 31. He says, therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things. Now listen to this. This is powerful. He says, I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit. See, I really believe that Paul was the apostle of grace. He really understood this. Grace was, I'm doing whatever I can do. And that's, that's weird because, you know, we hear, don't be a men pleaser. But Paul says, I also please all men in all things. Why? Not seeking my own profit. We could say it like this, not trying to drag people to our ditches. Because some people go, hey, hey, I see in this ditch, I got a better ditch. Come on. And we try to drag people to our ditch. Those grace people are weird and crazy, man. You can do anything over there. Come on, let's go over here. Legalism is awesome because I have parameters. I don't have to have faith. I walk by law. Then we have grace people going, no, 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 no. Man, if you only knew, you can do whatever you want or you don't have to. It doesn't matter. Come over here. It's so cool. Let's go grab 14 beers. It's awesome. It's like, what's going on here? (laughs) I mean, it's like we get this idea and we go to both sides and it's so extreme instead of being the kingdom. And it says this, he says, just as I also please all men and all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many. Paul saying, this is for everyone around me. I come in contact with to understand the goodness that God has for them, that they may be saved. And this isn't a one-time event in the future. Paul's saying, I want people to experience deliverance, preservation, safety, healing, wholeness, and rescue in their life. And I will do whatever it takes so that they will. I'm not in either ditch. I'm in the kingdom. I'm on the road. Does that make sense? I looked this up this morning. I want to read this in the mirror translation. It's freaking awesome. Verse 31. Listen to this first line. Live your life overwhelmed by God's opinion of you. What if we live life like that? Because it's to the glory of God. We know what glory means doxa. It means good opinion. Live your life overwhelmed by God's opinion of you. Your eating and drinking is certainly a constant reminder that you are his glory. Say, I'm his glory. Every meal proclaims the fact that the life of your design is redeemed again in Christ. So salute life. Look at this. So live your life, this is key, in freedom and wisdom. 
Thank you, Francois Dutois, for this translation. See, when we live life in freedom, it's not just freedom, it's in wisdom. What does wisdom say in this situation? Thus, the Jews, the Gentiles, and the church will all witness the attraction of your life without taking any offense. Did you hear that? They will witness the attraction of your... You know that your life should be attractive? When you bear God's image, his grace, his love, his goodness, it should be attractional. It should draw people to you to attract them without taking any offense. See, a lot of times you know when you're in the ditch, when you do things in such a way that it's offending people because you're trying to force them to come over to your ditch. Does that make sense? We don't have to force people. Love doesn't force But love works on your heart. Little by little, it softens your heart. It changes the way you think. And slowly but surely, God brings you around. His kindness draws us to repentance. It draws us to mind change. What if our kindness, because he lives in us, we're in union, draws people to changing their minds about God and themselves? Only happens when we're on the road and not in the ditch. Look at this, verse 33. I am so persuaded about every person's inclusion in Christ that I desire to be everything I need to be in order to win everyone's understanding of their union with Christ. Paul's saying, I'm so convinced that God has reconciled the world to himself, that he's in love with every part of his creation, that I will do whatever it takes for them to understand their union with Christ. You see how Paul wasn't in the ditch? Some people think maybe he was. He was so far in grace. No, no, he was right in the center. He understood the difference between the ditches. And he says this, my mission is to be exact. I want you to hear this. Just close your eyes, okay? Not for religious reasons. I really want you to hear what he's saying here. My mission is to be exactly what is required of me in every possible situation to awaken every kind of person, whoever they are, to their own salvation. I have no other agenda. Come on. Let's go to the expo. Isn't that, isn't that just, wow? And Paul really, really understood, I believe, the grace of God. I mean, even Peter says, man, Paul speaks of things that none of us even get sometimes. We're like, come on. But Peter struggled, right? He struggled. I mean, he was a good Jewish boy. He struggled to come out of that. He was back and forth and in and out. And guess what? God never left him or forsaken him. He was there the whole time. He never went anywhere. Why? He's like, listen, we're on a journey. We're together. But Paul had gotten some radical revelation to the point where even in this letter to the Galatians, he was fired up. He's like, what are you doing? Why are you letting people bewitch you? And they were talking about circumcision. You must be circumcised. It's part of the law. At one point, he was so fired up, he says, you know what? First of all, he cursed them twice. Come on, Paul. Christians don't curse. He cursed them twice. Not only that, he said, I wish they would just lop the whole thing off. Paul, you can't speak those words. That's dirty language. Paul said some things. He was fired up. 
he got the revelation of what it meant to actually operate in grace in the kingdom. It's not a matter of the ditch to the left or the ditch to the right. It's right in the middle. It's kingdom. Everyone is accepted. They're on the journey. No matter where they are, we love them. We show them grace. Does that make sense? And say, hey, I'm going to love just like Jesus loved. This is huge. Every road has its ditches. So I want to bring things to a close, and I want to look at the statement I made a little bit earlier. It's this, I glory in what I do, or I glory in what I don't do. And I want to give us some examples of this, just to give us a a little better idea of where we're going with this. This is example one. This is the first person. They say, I've got a perfect church attendance record. I go every Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday, every revival meeting. I'm there all the time. Therefore, I am righteous. But listen, there's the other side. There's the other ditch. Well, I go to church whenever I want because it doesn't really matter because I'm already righteous. And if you only knew, you wouldn't be so legalistic and go to every service because I got stuff to do. I know I'm messing with both you grace and law people today. <laughs> You're like, he knows I didn't come last week. No, I'm not singling anyone out. Okay? We have lives, we have families. It's not about that. I'm just saying there's two sides of the ditch where sometimes we can go so far to the other side. It's like, hey, nothing matters. Who cares? But guess what? Look through the New Testament. There's things to do in the kingdom. But it's motivated by grace and love. Right? Not fear and law. So a lot of times we need to check our heart. Here's another example. I fast and pray consistently, therefore I am spiritual. I really feel God moving his hand now. That's one side. The other side is, I don't fast and pray all the time. In fact, I never do anymore. Because guess what? I'm already spiritual. Well, guess what? Fasting and praying are wonderful. Do it. Do you know what fasting and praying do? They get you realigned, refocused. Sometimes I'll I'll be in a fast the first few days. I'm like, what's going on? And all of a sudden the fog clears. It's like, ah. I'm like, this fasting thing is really good for me. But see, the problem is when we think fasting and praying is getting God to move his hand. And God's like, I already moved my hand. Both of them on a cross. It's a finished work. So fasting and praying, it's a great thing if you need some realignment and some, rea- rea- some rea-focus. Yeah, that's real focus right there, right, Kay? Rea-focus. I think I need to fast and pray. But do you see the difference? Two sides of the road here. One more example. I tithe and I give my offering every single week. Therefore, I am blessed. I go over there, he got a flat tire. I know why. He lost his job. Bet you he's not tithing. Oh, but there's another side. Oh, man, the grace of God is so good. Guess what? I don't give a lick anymore. I don't have to tithe to get God to bless me. I'm already blessed. So guess what? Pass that plate along. I'm not putting anything in. Oh, pass that little clipboard along. I'm not helping and volunteering anymore because I don't have to because God is so good. I'm going to be a grace hippie and lay in my ditch. (laughs) 
I know I'm messing with y'all, but there comes a point we need to come out of the ditch into the middle of the road called the kingdom and realize there are things that we do. We are blessed to be a blessing. We all have certain degrees of, uh, in different seasons of time, talent, and treasure, and I believe we should always be looking, Holy Spirit, what is it I am to give in this season in all these facets? Inspired by you, not obligated to do it. Through love and grace, not law and fear. Big difference. So do you follow me so far? Both sides are walking according to the flesh. Their self-effort, their human ego. And we think human ego and self-effort is only the law ditch. But man, if we become grace Pharisees, we fall into a ditch where now it's all about our ego. And God has already done it all and I got nothing to do anymore. But the truth is in the kingdom, we all have something to do, something to contribute. You are blessed to be a blessing. You follow me. Both sides have missed the point. It's not about the I, it's about him. It's our life in Christ with faith working through love. But let me tell you a little secret. The ego, the flesh sometimes can be so subtle. and We don't even see it. Paul is dealing quite a bit with this in the church. And he's seeing where even these two sides of the, the ditch, it has caused divisions in the church. What is the source of these divisions? He tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11 through 13, he says, For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, who is Peter, or, listen to this, I follow Christ. He says in verse 13, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? See, when we read this, we see that the focus has shifted to men rather than God. And even the I follow Christ in context is the wrong attitude. It's still not right. It sounds legit, it sounds religious, but that's how subtle the flesh or the ego can be. So let's look at this again in the meaning of I in the Greek. Now this I... I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas, I follow Christ. It's the word ego, and we actually get our word ego from this. And ego is what? Focusing on self. It's all about me. So we read this verse, he says, what I mean is that each one of you says, I, ego, follow Paul. I, ego, follow Apollos. I, ego, follow Cephas. Get this. I, ego, follow Christ. See how shifty this can be? The ego after men, Paul, Apollos, and Peter is religious in nature. It's the flattery of men. It's seeking favor of leaders. It's saying, this is the one I seek, getting approval from men. But even the ego here after Christ is I've decided to follow Jesus. I'm in the grace camp. I only do what Jesus says. I choose relationship over religion. Well, don't I get some credit for that? right? Both sides. Do you still love me? Because then my grace people are like, dude, I thought we were in grace. We are. Grace empowers us. It moves us into kingdom thinking that, wow, I've got something to give. I'm blessed to be a blessing. So guess what? Let's do it. 
inspired by his love and his grace, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus said, you did not choose me, I chose you so that you should bear fruit and your fruit shall remain. Guess what? There's no fruit with I or ego as the source. There's only fruit with Christ as the source. So what is the litmus test of whether or not you're following ego? Because you go, well, I thought it was okay because I'm in grace. Am I in the ditch? Here's the litmus test. If we feel a sense of superiority over others when we say, I follow Christ, then somewhere human ego has gotten involved. And I'm saying this because I was there. There was a point in time years ago when I first discovered this that I would look over at the other side thinking I'm on the, the road, but I was actually in a ditch looking at the ditch going, you guys just don't get it. And I felt some sort of superiority over others because they just didn't get the grace of God. If only you understood, you're doing all that stuff for God. We don't have to do any of that stuff. That's what I felt. But then I realized as he began working more on my heart, has been working more on my soul, there is things that I'm supposed to do, but it's no longer obligation, right? It's inspiration. It's his inspiration. It's his love. And that's why I do what I do. But there are things to do. And so I want to close with this final scripture, Galatians 2.20. And Paul really breaks it down here. And I think this is really going to set you free this morning. Paul says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now check this out. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I. That's the word in the Greek, ego. My focus on self. The way that I lived before is focus on self. This was my life. If you knew Paul when he was Saul, Boy, talk about the law in a straight ditch. I mean, he was killing Christians. He was hunting them down, imprisoning them, and killing them all in the name of God, all to please God. And he says, that was a focus on self. I, at that point, was ego. But he says, but Christ who lives in me is the new way. Look at this. And the life I now live in the flesh, this word I is not ego. There's a shift that happens. It's the word zao. And zao means this, to have true life, active, blessed, and listen, the kingdom of God, living water, having vital power in itself and exerting the same upon the soul. And get this, spirit life. So he's saying, before, as Saul, I was living from myself, right? The ditch of self-effort. But you notice he doesn't shift over and fall into the ditch on the other side. He comes to the middle and he says, now I live spirit life. Spirit led. I become all things to all men. I do whatever. I live however. I show God however. I have to so people understand their union with Christ. So they see that God has reconciled the world to himself. I'm not in the law ditch and not in this crazy ditch where I point my finger across and say, if you were only like me, he says, I'm in the kingdom. I'm on the road showing people who they truly are and I'll do whatever it takes. I'll say it however I need to say it. Listen, when Paul talked to Romans, he spoke Roman lingo. 
When he talked to Jews, he spoke Jewish lingo. When he talked to Gentiles, he spoke Gentile lingo. At one point, he even quoted the Greek poets. Because truth is truth if it's truth. That's a powerful statement. Someone needs to tweet that. They're like, what was he saying? (laughs) He needs to fast and pray. Truth is truth if it's truth. And what's the source of all truth? I'm telling you, man, this is powerful. Kenneth Wiest in his translation says this, with Christ I have been crucified and it is no longer I who live, but there lives Christ in me. So back to Galatians, he says, neither circumcision, what I do, or uncircumcision, what I don't do, matter. He's saying, stay out of the ditches. All that matters is our trust and faith in Christ and what he has done working through love. So the important thing is not to have, having come out of legalism, swing the pendulum the other way to pride in your revelation of grace and freedom. You see the difference? It comes down to love. Is all that we do come out of love for others? Think about the things that we do, we say. Is that come out of love that we have for others? Is it faith working through love? Is it speaking the truth in love? Well, the answer is it should be. Amen? Every road has its ditches. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. I receive your goodness. If there's anything in my heart that has ditched thinking, pull me out of that. Holy Spirit, back that tow truck up and pull me out of the ditch because I trust you. I believe you. You have my best interest in mind. Help me be a light of love and grace and mercy and peace to this world. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, God is good. Amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, We pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.